Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Uh, it says this, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Listen, your Bible says this, Guard your heart above all else, because it determines the course of your life life. Father, we just ask, you've been so good to us already. I I hesitate to even ask for anything else. But God, the last thing I want them to get is anything of me. So Lord, I just ask you today that you would speak right now through your word. And that for somebody, this is a day of freedom. That this is a holy moment for them. And they'll have the courage and the strength to move forward today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Some of you are wondering, John, why in the world is this series taking so long? I don't know what week we're in. I don't know. Five, six, something? I don't know. John, why are you spending so much on this path to freedom deal? Because what's happening in your soul determines the course of your life. And if that's true, and it is because we just read it from the Word of God, then I'm not sure there is anything more important. So, like, what would we leave this to go to until God's finished saying what he needs to say? Let me ask you this. What course is your life on? If your heart determines uh, the course of your life, what course are you on? What direction are you heading? And what is the destination? What's the destination of the road that you're walking right now? Because every road leads to somewhere. The Bible says that you're a fool to walk a road and then deny that it's taking you to the ultimate destination. If you get on 27 North from here, you're going to Buchanan whether you ever heard of it before or whether you want to go. That's where the road goes. Every one of us is on a path to somewhere. Where is yours taking you? Are you headed to where uh, Jesus is? Are you headed to freedom that he offers? Or are you heading somewhere else? This is also an important question, just as important as that one. Who's driving on the road you're on? Who's driving? Who's driving your life? Is it fear? Is it pain? Is it revenge? Is it desperation? Is it rage? Is it addiction? Past abuse? Whatever or whomever is driving determines your course, your speed, and your ultimate destination. So it's time for you to figure out who or what is in the driver's seat. And if it's not Jesus, Jordan already said this, if it's not Jesus, if you're not submitting to the voice of the Holy Spirit in your daily decisions, then you need to stop and switch seats. Because some area of your life is out of control. You need to dethrone your pain. You need to dethrone your anger or your addiction. Everything that's vying for your attention, everything that's vying for control of your heart, 
your inner man. Jesus came and lived and died so that we could be free, forgiven of our sins, and healed in our inner man. And he showed us how how that happens by his own example. And he gives us everything we need for life and godliness. Everything we need, all the power that we need to get to where he wants us to go. So the question we keep asking ourselves in this series is, why are so many people still in chains? If all that's true, why are we still so bound? Pastor Mark Rutland says it's because healing takes courage. We always think of healing in terms of faith, and it certainly does take faith to walk with Jesus. But what prevents people many times from receiving the inner healing that they need, the balm that they need for their troubled souls, is not a lack of faith, it's a lack of courage. So today I want to start talking about the concrete steps that you can take on your path to freedom. We talked about the resources. Today I want to start talking about the steps that you take on your path to freedom. And in doing so, you'll begin to understand why it's going to take courage for you to be free. We talked about the three resources for freedom. We talked about the community of believers, of brothers and sisters of like faith who come together and people that you can share your burdens with. You can confess to one another. You can receive help and correction. We talked about the Word of God, which is our weapon to fight the lies of the enemy, to pull down the strongholds in our minds, the deceit and the lies that we've believed, to wash away the effects of the bondage in our lives. And last week we talked about the Holy Spirit who empowers us to break free and to live free. So those are the resources for the journey. But if we're going to walk the path of freedom, we have to know what steps to take. And that's what we're going to find out today. And, and, and to find it, we're going to go to two scriptures, one we've already been to. We're going to go to two scriptures so we can see what Jesus did when he, faced, uh, when he was faced with an issue of his soul. So back to Matthew chapter 26, Matthew 26, verse 36. Then Jesus went with them, the, the, the 11 disciples. Judas had already gone getting ready to, uh, to betray him. Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. And he took with him Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed, and he told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here with me, or stay here and keep watch with me. So he went a little further. He bowed his face to the ground, and he prayed, Father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. Then he returned, found the disciples asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you won't give in to to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh, the body is weak. Jesus left him a second time and said, Father, uh, if this cup cannot be taken unless I drink it, then your will be done. And when he returned to them, he found them sleeping for they couldn't hold their eyes open. And he went to pray a third time, saying the same things. Somehow, Jesus was able to push through the soul-crushing grief and the burden that he was going to face to accomplish God's will and experience the freedom that, that he was waiting for and that all of us is waiting for us on the other side of our obedience. 
Isn't that what we all want? We want to push through the obedience to God so that we receive the freedom and the healing and everything that we need on the other side. Don't we want to be free of the things that are crushing our souls and live in the will and the freedom of God? Of course we do. So how did Jesus do it? One more verse is going to show you exactly how he did it. There are two more verses. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Real familiar passage of Scripture. Jordan preached a wonderful message about this a few months ago. Therefore, since we're surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let's strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Listen, can all of us agree we're carrying a little extra weight? I'm spiritually speaking. Y'all calm down. Your britches are not too tight. I'm sure they're perfectly fine. We, we're all carrying a little extra weight spiritually. Some of us, a lot of extra weight. We're affected by sin. We're affected either by our own sin or by someone else's sin against us. That's what we're trying to get free from. Now, the next verse tells us how to do it. Verse 2, Hebrews chapter 12, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Now, please pay attention to this next sentence. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. We, we can run freely the race that's set before us by watching Jesus. Why? Because he showed us how to do it. And here's how he did it. He, here's how he walked his path to freedom. He endured the pain of the cross. He disregarded or rejected the shame of the cross by focusing on the joy that was waiting for him on the other side. Let me say it this way. Jesus took three steps to freedom. Embrace the pain. Focus on the gain. Reject the shame. Those were his three paths, his three steps to freedom. And we'll talk about those uh, over the next few messages. But today I want to focus on the first step, and that is embrace the pain. Listen, nobody wants to listen to a message called embrace the pain. <laughs> but it's right here in the Word. And it's important for us to do. So I want to, I want to show you this today. The Word says Jesus was overcome overcome. His soul, his mind, his will, his emotions were heavy and overwhelmed to the point of death. Listen, I know that all of us, every one of us have felt like we were just going to burst at time, at, at one time or the other from the weight of the emotions, from the weight of the burdens. It felt like we were being crushed by grief, crushed by the stuff that keeps us up at night. Maybe it was the pain of past abuse. Maybe it's the accumulated weight of one bad decision after another. Maybe it's the weight of a difficult decision you have to make or a complicated situation that you're walking in. But one way or the other, no matter the cause, the pain, the dread, the fear, the regret, the pressure, all of that's real. And sometimes it's just impossible to bear. Sometimes it's hopeless, or at least it seems that way. Sometimes it seems like this is just what life is going to look like for you. Now, what did Jesus do when he felt that way? He went to the garden to pray. He went there to pray. He recognized there was no way to avoid. Through prayer, he recognized there's no way to avoid what's in front of me. And he accepted three really simple but really powerful truths in the garden. One, that the road that he was about to walk 
was God's will for him. He was certain of that. Two, that it would lead him to a wonderful place that he wanted to go. And three, that the road was going to be painful. It was God's will. It was a place that he wanted to wind up on the other side, but the road he was about to walk was going to hurt. I know it's hard to hear, but all three of those things can be true at the same time and quite often are true. As a matter of fact, on the road to healing, on the path to freedom, that's almost always true in varying degrees. And that's why you need courage so you can embrace the pain. Now, I want to tell you some stories today. I want to give you some examples from, uh, from the lives of people that you, that you know uh, or that you can relate to. Okay? There was, uh, there was, I'll start with a story from my life because I've, I've shared it before, so we'll go ahead and get this one out of the way. There was a time in my life uh, a few years ago when I was having bouts of seasonal depression. Every fall, I fell into this funk. I fell into this depression for several years in a row. Now, uh, please understand, I didn't know it was depression. I couldn't identify it as such. It came out as anger. It came out as irritation. I was kind of lethargic, just did what I had to do, didn't have a lot of energy for anything else. I was impatient with people. Once I was finally able to, to target it as depression, it was still a couple of more years before I could trace it back to an emotional root in my life, to, to a, a major family crisis that had happened years before. My parents uh, divorced after 34 years of marriage. And my dad announced his intention to leave my mother on, uh, did I say 34? I meant 43 years of marriage. It's a long time. He announced his decision to leave my mother on Halloween, right in the middle of the fall. Now, my family exploded in that moment. Um, and we all just dealt with all the facets of, of their divorce for the next several months. I never dealt with the emotional toll that it took uh, on me. I was focused on making sure my mom got an attorney, making sure all her needs were taken care of, making sure everything was, was going the way it was supposed to go. I honestly didn't know I was supposed to focus on my emotions. I didn't know how to do that, and I didn't know that it was okay because that's not how I was raised. So I did what I normally did for the, for, for the previous several decades. I stuffed it all in as deep an emotional hole as I could find, and I refused to admit that there was a problem. As a matter of fact, I took great pride in the fact that I had no emotional reaction to what was going on. Here's what I know now that I didn't know then. The enemy will make you proud of your biggest problem. Did y'all hear me? The enemy will make you proud of your biggest problem. My biggest problem was that I was emotionally dishonest, disconnected, and completely unprepared to deal with the soul-crushing pain that I was experiencing. The enemy made me proud of that so that I would never even look there to start solving problems in my life. So the reality is you never really get rid of emotional pain. It might go away for a little bit, but it will always return in a different form and, and a lot harder to deal with. 
I knew that if I was going to be healed of this seasonal depression, I had to go all the way back to the moment that it started and start emptying myself of all of that stuff, emptying myself of all those feelings, saying what I had not said, feeling what I would not let myself feel, screaming what I would not let myself scream. And I'll be honest with you, I was terrified. I knew that was the road that I had to walk, but I was absolutely terrified. I knew that freedom was calling to me from the other side, and I had plenty of faith to believe that that was the right road. But what was standing between me and freedom was a pain that I wasn't sure I wanted to bring up again. What I needed to embrace the pain and to start the journey of healing was was courage. And I found courage in the resources on our path to freedom, in my community of faith, my family, my friends, namely my wife, who insisted that I could not go back to stuffing everything and I could not stay in this state. She insisted that I had to move forward and I had to move forward now. I had a lifetime worth of the word inside of me to know that God was with me, that he's never going to leave me and never forsake me, and I had the comfort and the power of the Holy Spirit to help guide me through it. So after I emptied myself of all of that pain, at least all the pain that I could access at that point, the seasonal depression went away. I was healed. But I had to have the courage to embrace that pain. Here's another example. I got a text message a couple of weeks ago from, from someone in the church. And she said this, through, through this current series that we're in, I've come to forgive someone very close to me. And it's taken a while because of so much hurt that was involved. But just like you said, I was only making myself miserable. And I felt so bound by it. But now I feel so free and like a burden has been lifted. Listen, isn't that incredible? Isn't that great? That is good news. She found the freedom that she needed. But how did she do it? She had the courage to embrace the pain. She didn't want to go back to the source of the pain, but she knew she had to to get past it. She knew the path of freedom was going to hurt for a little while, but she found the courage to embrace the pain and move forward, and now she's able to walk in freedom. Don't miss this. The enemy will make you proud of your biggest problem. Make you think it's a strength when it's actually a flaw. Now, I'm not saying this about the person who sent me the text because what I just told you is everything I know about that situation. But, but I do know in the times that I have been struggling to forgive someone, my biggest problem was that I thought I was the righteous party and the other person was the evil offender. Have y'all been there or is that just me? Are y'all going to talk to me today? The problem is by holding that offense over that person, by withholding from them what I so desperately need from God, which is forgiveness, that makes me just as guilty and just as unrighteous as they are. The enemy made me proud of the moral high ground that I thought I was standing on, when in reality, that's what was keeping me in bondage to unforgiveness. I felt like I had a right to be mad, a right to be offended, a right to withhold forgiveness from that person. Listen, you don't have to wait for the other person to confess. 
You don't have to wait for the other person to own what they did. They don't possess the keys to your bondage. You do. You do. Nobody else ever holds you in bondage. You do. Find the courage to repent of your unforgiveness and then embrace the pain of the past hurt, forgive that person, and set yourself free. Set yourself free. I had this conversation recently with somebody. I don't, honestly don't remember who it was or where it was, but, but they said the reason church hurt is so devastating is that both parties feel like God's on their side. Amen. You ever talk to somebody who's been involved in a church problem and then talk to somebody on the other side? Both of them swear God told them to do it. Right? Y'all really aren't going to talk to me today, are you? They, they, that's, that's, a, that's a problem. See, the, the enemy uses that as a, as a source of pride. And they use, he uses that uh, to hold both parties in bondage. When the reality is, the Father has given us the ministry of reconciliation. No good father wants to see his kids fight. No matter who's to blame. It breaks the heart of a father to see his kids mistreat each other. We've got to have the courage to repent the courage to be humble, the courage to embrace the pain and forgive. And, and I feel compelled to say this. You don't have to go and rehash every hurtful thing they ever did to you in order to get past it. You don't have to say, Hi, this is John. Uh, just wanted you to know, in 1998, y'all know these conversations happen all the time. In 1998, you said this, and it really hurt my feelings, and I've struggled with this for the last 20 years, but I want you to know that I forgive you for being so selfish and thoughtless and so cruel to me. Do you know what that does? It brings the offense right back on both sides, and both parties shut down. Forgiveness takes place in private. You don't need the other person. That's where you embrace the pain of every little thing. That's where you name that thing and get past it. But once that's done, it, it, unless they know you're upset with them, you're done. You don't have to go and tell them what a horrible individual they are. If, they, if you do feel the need to reach out and try to reconnect because it's been strained between you, then why don't you send them a quick note or a quick text that says, Hey, I've been thinking about you today. Just want you to know I love you and I hope things are going well for you. God bless you. That's it. The path to freedom is usually painful for a while, but you have to embrace the pain to find the joy. Here's another example. It's a really long story, and we'll try to condense this. My brother was born with um, what we always called a bird chest. Um, that is not a medical term, by the way. Um, but that's what we called it. it he just, his sternum was sunk in his whole life. And it was really never an issue until as he grew uh, older and, 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 and expanded, um, eventually that started to restrict the space that his heart and lungs needed to function properly. And so the doctor, it rocked on for a long time, and eventually it reached a point where the doctor said, about 15 years ago, the doctors said he was going to have to have uh, con- corrective or reconstructive surgery. Um, it was worse than that sounds. What they meant they were going to do to him was cut his chest open, 
cut all of his ribs off his sternum, jack his sternum up, and then reattach all of his ribs back with a couple of metal plates in there for, for uh, strength and reinforcement. Um, they, he, he pastors a Methodist church just down the road here in Harrelson County. If you leave now, you can probably catch him. He'd be glad to show you his scar. He's, he's quite proud of that. <laughs> it, it comes as no surprise to anybody that the pain of that recovery was excruciating. If you've ever broken a bone, one bone, you know the pain of that healing process. He was, he was, he was miserable. And, and most of you can probably guess what happens next. Um, he took a lot of pain pills because he was in a lot of pain. Um, eventually, though, he became addicted to the pain pills. Um, and his condition contempt, skipping a whole lot of stuff, but his condition continued to deteriorate with a lot of other complications. Um, and on Christmas Day of that year, he died twice, once on the way to the hospital and once after they got him there. He was in the ICU um, for, I don't even remember, Sandy, for a long time, um, on a ventilator, hanging, literally hanging between life and death for days, when he received, uh, honestly, uh, a divine intervention. God healed him, Amen. called him to preach all in one glorious moment. God literally gave us our brother back. But we got him back on a road um, of recovery that he still had to walk. Um, it was a path to freedom, but he was still addicted. He could see the path forward. He knew where he wanted to go. He knew what God had done for him, and he knew what God was calling him to. But he also knew what was standing in the road in front of him. And he, he, had, to, he had to embrace the pain of the withdrawals and the accountability that was going to have to be a part of his life now moving forward. And he needed a, a great deal of courage to be able to embrace that pain. And I'm so proud of him because he did that. And he drew on the resources that God had provided him, a community of family and friends who, who gathered around him to help him, a strong knowledge of the Word and the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. And thanks be to God, he's alive and well today and free from that opioid addiction, pastoring a church, serving the Lord, loving people to the best of his ability. And I'm so proud of him because of the courage that it took to embrace the pain and to get free. Listen, it, it takes a lot of courage to admit that you have an addiction. It takes a lot of courage to endure the soul-smothering emotional and physical pain when your body and your brain are screaming for a chemical that it's depended on for survival for so long. But now, on the other side of it, my brother is so grateful that he embraced the pain. He's so glad he went through what he went through. And he'll testify that it was worth every moment of agony to find the freedom and to take back control of his life. Prescription opioids are ruining millions of lives in our, in our country every day. If yours is one of them, if yours is one of them, you know, John, how would, if they were a drug addict, they wouldn't be at church. My brother went to work 
every day. There are millions of, of drug addicts who are walking around, driving around beside us every day. So if you're struggling with something like this, I'm challenging you today to get on the path of freedom. God will give you the courage to embrace the pain that will lead you to freedom. And it will be worth every moment for you and for the people that you love. I'm told that drugs have a voice. They call to you. They call to you. Listen, God has a voice too. God has a voice too. And His voice is the voice of freedom that's calling to you from the other side of your pain. Embrace the pain and run to the freedom today. One more story. A few years ago, I got a phone call from uh, someone in our church. First from a devastated wife, and a little while later from an embarrassed and heartbroken husband. He had let the, uh, the addiction to pornography control his life. And it was getting stronger and stronger grip on him. Urging him to push it out of the secret, out of the darkness. Push the boundaries of his secret from the darkness into his real life. Texting with women who were not his own wife. She found out about it. Confronted him. And in that moment, they both had a decision to make. Both of them. She had to have the courage to embrace the pain of the path that was going to lead to freedom on the other side. But she had to embrace the pain to walk the path of forgiveness and reconciliation. When she had what we in the church call biblical rights to walk away. He had to have the courage to embrace the pain of repentance and accountability and breaking an addiction. And I'm sure that their emotions were all over the place at one time or the other. But their resolve was firm. Just like Jesus did when he was on the earth. They saw that the path in front of them, the path that would save their marriage, was God's will for them. That it was going to lead to some place wonderful, at least potentially. But it was going to be a painful process. So they resolved... To make it work. And I'm happy to report. They're both healthy. Both strong. The, the marriage is strong and happy. And I, I, I'm convinced because they've told me that their marriage is stronger now than it ever was before. All to the praise and the glory of God. And the benefit of his children who love him and whom he loved. John, why are you sharing that story? Because according to... Uh, to the research by a group called Relationships in America, 43% of men, 9% of women view pornography on a weekly basis. Almost half. Church attendance does make a difference with only uh, down to about 25 to 30% of men who attend church regularly view porn every week. Let that settle in on you for a second. Interestingly enough, According to the Pew Research Group, uh, about 35% of Americans, of American adults, read their Bibles uh, at least once a week. John, why are you talking about this in church? 
because of the number of men in our church who watched porn this past week is roughly the same as the number of men who read their Bibles. And some of them did both. Porn is devastating people's lives. Destroying marriages. It's a huge chain around the necks of people in our community and no doubt in our church. You can defeat it and you should. You can quit. There is freedom from the other side. But you have to find the courage to embrace the pain and get help. You have to repent. You have to reveal the problem. You have to get accountable to somebody. Or or if your spouse has betrayed you with pornography or some other form of adultery, there is a way forward if they're serious about changing and if you're serious about staying. You have to get convinced that the road to reconciliation is the will of God for the both of you and that there will be good days ahead. But it's going to take great courage to get there. You have to embrace the pain, but you have powerful resources around you. John, why have you spent so much time telling stories today? Because I want you to see how the message of inner healing, how the message of freedom actually plays out in people's everyday lives. It's not a movie. It's not a Hollywood screenplay. It's, it's, it's real people who have real pain in their lives, real struggles. It's not always addictions. It's not always abuse. It's not always trauma. It's any of that stuff. Whatever it is that's keeping you from being able to move forward in your relationship with the Lord, that's, that's, that's controlling some aspect or area of your life. Jesus died so you can be free. He said, I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. But we can't experience what Jesus died to give us because we are so bound by different things and different chains in our lives. And the more we get free, the more of the abundant life we can experience. And that's it. John, would you like to move on to another series? Probably so. And I started to say, I love you enough, but it doesn't matter if I love you. Jesus loves you enough to keep giving you chances to identify the chains in your life and then get free from those chains. Because He loved you enough to come and pay for your sins in the first place. He loved you enough to come and die on the cross so that He could give you abundant life. What else do we love so much that we'll choose it over the love of Jesus? Is it painful? Yes. That's the wrong question, though. Is this going to hurt? That's the wrong question. The question is, is this going to be worth it? Is this going to be worth it? The answer to that, if the the question is, is freedom worth it? 
The answer is enthusiastically, unequivocally, yes. Yes. Freedom is worth it. Y'all stand with me, please. Would you, agree with me, would you agree with me that the, that the things that you leave unaddressed in your life just gets bigger over time? Would y'all at least nod? Y'all ain't gonna talk. Would y'all at least nod? All right. If that's the case, then here's the, here's the, the conclusion based on that evidence. It will never be easier to be free than it is today. Because tomorrow, it'll just be harder. So what are you waiting on? Father, I thank you for um, your word. Like a friend of mine said a few weeks ago, thank you that you don't just put the pretty stuff in the word. You don't just put the good stuff, the victories in the word. You put the, the good, the bad, and the ugly in there. You put real life, you put real people in the Word. And then you showed how your grace can, can move even among flawed people like us. People who try really hard sometimes and, and still fail. People who sometimes don't try hard at all. But ultimately, ultimately people you love anyway. I thank you that your Word shows us how to get free. And that your spirit enables us to be free. That what you did on the cross made the way for us to be free. So God, my really humble, simple prayer today is help us get free. Help us get free. Live free. Break the chains. Break the chains in me break the chains in the people in this church break our chains because we can't run our race until you break our chains until we lay our chains down because you broke them on the cross help us to shed those things to lay them down and run after you break our chains Lord in Jesus name they're going to sing this altar is open I would encourage you to come Say, listen, I don't want to come because people are going to think I'm addicted to pornography. People are going to think I'm addicted to opioids. First of all, who really cares what somebody thinks? Secondly, like, it ain't none of their business. And third, that ain't all I preached about. So calm down. And fourth, this altar don't belong to me or you or to the gossipy person that you're worried about. This altar belongs to the Lord. It's where you come meet Him. So you can come meet him about whatever's going on in your life. If God is leading you, Holy Spirit's drawing you down, then you come to this altar. And we'll pray with you. And I guarantee you this, when the Lord draws you, he'll meet you. And that's what all of us need. 
We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.